Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, Amobi Okugo, back again with my guy, L. Each week, we'll be talking with individuals from around the soccer world, learning about their stories and getting their unfiltered thoughts and opinions. This week, we're joined by a very special guest, footballer, activist, and host of Backyard Footy, Hugh Roberts. We'll be getting to know all about Hugh, talking about his playing career, and learning about some of his off-pitch endeavors. Hugh is someone that I have come to meet recently, someone I respect, and uh, Hugh, welcome to the show. It's an honor to be here. Follow you guys on my end, too. Love what you guys are doing. Nah, respect. So first things first, L, take uh, take 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 the lead. All right. So first thing we do on the show, we like to break the ice a little bit, play a game called Two Truths and a Cap. So this game, Hugh will give us three facts about himself. Two will be true. One will be a lie. You know, Moby and I have to guess what the lie is. So, you know, as if you listen to the show, you know, I'm up probably by a long mile. Um, so Moby <laughs> needs all the help he can get. But whatever you're ready, you go ahead. We're just all trying right, to ready? make it so we're trying to make it so I can lead into 2022 on a good note. So all right, I got you. I got you. <laughs> all right. One, I was a black belt. Two, I went to high school for soccer specifically. Three, I played football growing up as well, like American football. Okay. Oh, this is good. I haven't really seen forwards try to fight Hugh, so that might be people know about. He might be on that like uh, Jerry Stackhouse type hype where everyone knows not to mess with him. Okay. Yeah, I can see, I can see yeah. him, you know, catching uh, catching deep balls like Randy Moss. So yeah. that don't that don't seem too far fetched. Um, <laughs> Time out. <laughs> what was the second one, Hugh? I went to high school uh, specifically for soccer. Okay. He's from the DMV, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. what's that? What's the, the math? What, what school is this? Like, known for yeah. soccer? That's my lead. Uh, That's my lead. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with, went to high school specifically for soccer since he probably played American football in high school. Yeah. Too. I'm going to go with that one. Yeah, because the black belt is too random to, like, like, you don't come up with that. Yeah, I think it's a, uh, I think it's uh you didn't go to you didn't go to high school specifically for soccer. Yeah, y'all right. I went to high school for ball, basketball. Oh, word. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I played eighth grade. I played football one year, but in DMV, football and soccer in the same season in the fall. So I was always going back and forth. I had to beg mom to play one year, and I was like, forget about it. I'm just gonna stick with soccer. But yeah, I actually played ball like my whole life too. Okay. okay. Respect. Uh, real quick, before we get into it, um, so you play ball. You played at a high level. If you went to high school for ball, like AAU and all that, yes, what would you like? Who's who? You think like who you model your game after? I would say actually one of a really good friends of mine was Victor Oladipo. Growing up, play AAU together as well. And I'll say okay. our games are very similar. Also, like a Jimmy Butler's, like the dog mentality, just still working okay. on that kind of thing, but. Those guys are definitely kind of emulate my game towards. Perfect. Cause like, so say like, cause I play ball too. And we always used to joke me, Sean Johnson, like who from like soccer and act can actually like ball. And right, the right, fact right. that, you know, people say they ball and then you talk about AAU and they're like, oh, what's that? Yeah, it's like, exactly. you're out of the conversation. So right. who are some people like across the leagues, MLS, USL that you're like, all right. Yeah, I know they ball. Like, yeah. Um, so Richmond kickers, Alex Lee, right back, was real good at ball. I actually played in high school too in the DMV. 
Um, Philly, I didn't, dudes were all the MLSs that go. When I was there, Gucci and Yebu, Edu, and all them were there. They're all talk, though. They couldn't play. Um, <laughs> this dude I played with recently, though, Christian Dean, who went to Cal, he's actually nice. His, his brother played professionally overseas and stuff, but nah, my G is nice. But for the most part, when you go to different teams, I haven't really found everyone everyone used to play like high school or just like rec or something like that. You know, they swear they can yeah. play ball, like you said, and then you, you really can't find too many people that play AU. Perfect. I I just I just updated my my starting five for basketball. Sorry. Oh, this is this is really interesting. So I got me, Sean, IQ, and I heard you know what I heard is nice. Uh, Cameron Lindley from uh, uh San Antonio. Like he like like he they say he would have went to like UNC for ball and soccer. So he like uh won a state championship in uh, Illinois. Wow. So I heard wow. I heard he could ball as well. So. That's a solid um, five, for real. Yeah, if you if you if you hear if y'all hearing this, put your uh, name in contention for um, ball players that play soccer. <laughs> right. Yeah, but uh, let's get right into it. Uh, when did you fall in love with soccer? You know, being a multi-sport athlete. So I actually started playing soccer first because my dad's Jamaican. He went to NC State, played soccer, played semi-pro. So from the jump, I was really had a ball in my hand, running around the track with him. I was a ball boy's first team. So the love for it was then, and I would definitely say it kind of died down because of basketball. I was heavy into it. AU had me traveling all the time. And I would say I had a little more success going into high school in ball and soccer. That's why I went to high school for ball. And then just being 6'4 and basketball and soccer kind of changed my perspective. And it definitely took some time, I would say, actually when I like turned pro and actually started to learn the game, I actually appreciated it a lot more because college is just so athletic. I was with my homies. We were really just balling for each other, but I didn't really learn the game. And when I actually learned the game through Richmond, I was like, oh, okay, like, this is dope. The technical side, breaking the lines, all that. I really understood and appreciated the game. No, that's amazing. So talk about growing up playing both sports. Like, what was the, the differences in terms of, like, diversity, you know, feeling included, um, you know, just the culture be- behind both games? That's a good question. Um, and ball, right? I played for this team called Triple Threat, was based out of like Southeast DC. So I'll drive from Maryland all the way to Southeast DC, playing with Southeast DC is like the hood of DC, pretty much. That's like all PG County? Nah, like in DC specifically. I actually oh, okay. went to PG County too. I went to during high school, I played like practices in their high school teams, but my AU team was specifically out of DC itself. So okay. I'm driving down there, competing down there, and I mean, we're watching Friday. We're all clowning each other. It was it was just mad love to be to keep it real. And I saw the disparities in that when I w- went to academy playing soccer. And most of the time, I'm the only black guy, or like there's one or two black guys, or you know things in like music, movies, the jokes. I'm not really saying as many things. I'm it's me, only really me and my homie. So you just listen to these the other ethnicities, really just talk the Caucasians, <laughs> all them, the whites and shit. Yeah, you listen to them talk. And you're just sitting there. You can't really input too much because, you know, there's two different cultures going on. Or if you're talking to your homie, they try to chime in. It's just like, eh, I know you don't really know this like that. So <laughs> I kind of saw that early. Um, and it kind of, that's why my, I feel like my love was a little stronger for ball at first, just because, like, I felt like it was home. It was natural. I was born in Queens, New York. My mom's from New York. And so up there, it's heavy in ball, too. And my mom's whole side played ball. And so it's really just like being around family, you know? So it yeah. took me some time mentally, just like, and even in soccer, I was struggling because I wasn't playing sometimes. I'm dealing with the white coach only who was just like, like really trying to box me and keep me with like, for not playing my game. So I was struggling, like, why am I AU? I'm balling in soccer. I'm not, 
these white coaches don't know me. Just all these little things I'm trying to figure out as a youth. And yeah, it definitely took some mental battles. Uh, so what would you say from the standpoint of like uh, growing up, how do we get more of us into soccer? Like, you know, seeing that you've played both, you're, you know, from DMV where it's a strong soccer culture, how can we get more of us, you know, to pick, you know, soccer? Because you could have, if you would have focused all on basketball, it would have been an easy decision for you, 6'4", talented, but you chose soccer. So how can we keep us in the sport? Well, I think we don't even promote and do camps in the inner cities or in the hoods or in the you know, specifically black areas. Most of the time you're going, you're going to do a soccer camp in a rich white area because you know they're going to pay and you know you can have some success there. But you don't even advertise or market to a community and be like, yo, free soccer clinics hosted by the MLS club or whatever club it is. Bring, bring everyone out or cheap and reasonable if you want to make some money, but it has to be affordable to bring us out. I mean, and then two from there, you know, even just coaching wise, I feel like our coaches are on such a short leash and it's why we don't even jump in to become coaches after that. It's like, you Speak know, why even, why even become a coach? I was a coach here in Charlotte for the Charlotte Eagles, right? And I'm walking around. I'm the only black coach with the hundreds and hundreds of kids and all these teams here. I'm just like, man, like, I know we want to be coaches. So it's not that question. It's, you know, a lot of times we're not even getting the opportunity to coach those teams. Or I feel like some teams, sometimes like me, for example, I actually stopped coaching the Eagles because I couldn't take it anymore. And just being the only black coach, I just see how they were like using me kind of. And so I feel like for other organizations, the black coaches are probably being used. And, you know, it's more than just the blackness of being like a coach, coaching these kids within itself. So I think we need to advertise and market in the inner um, communities, especially our communities more. We need to make it affordable. They need to see that. They need to, clubs need to start, you know, providing buses or whatever to the communities to bring them to games so they can see half the kids don't even know about their pro team in the community or even, even watch a soccer game. And you know it's not on TV, so it's going to have to be like them physically coming to a game and see it in person. Uh, and I know we're going to get into a lot of the stuff that you're doing later, um, but that's a great that's a great answer and it provides a lot of insight. And then a previous you know guest of the show, uh, she actually writes for Two Cent Sports, so make sure you check her out. She talked about the benefits of being a multi-sport athlete, um, you know, growing up in her development. So talk about it from your lens. How did you know playing basketball help you in soccer? Do you promote you know playing multi-sports growing up, or you think like you should specialize and um, kind of hone in? Yeah, I definitely would say basketball has played a huge role into why I am to now. Even vice versa, soccer played a huge role for me in ball. That's why I was able to have some success. Uh, I would definitely say kids, you know, when you look at Europe, all these kids focus on soccer specifically, and you see why they develop because you focus so much time and energy on it. But I think you actually have, like, a little bit of an advantage if you play another sport. It doesn't have to be the longevity of, like, playing soccer per se, but it can be for a couple years, and then you come back and focus on soccer. But it's important to pick up different skills and attributes from other sports that these other soccer-specific soccer kids don't learn and understand. So for me, playing ball... Growing up, since I was a little taller, I actually played like the four position. I had to battle in the post a lot. And so that actually helped me as a center back. Now I'm battling these fours and then trying to get body positions on me. And I know how to swim and get you off me already. And then you look on the field like, well, oh, he's good at anticipating. But it's actually before the ball even came, I had to battle him off and fight in the post. It was just like ball. Um, you know, basketball is a lot of moving off the screen, moving off the ball. So I was a striker my whole life until I got to college. I was moved to a center back. So I understood like I had to keep moving. I was actually a post-up striker too. So on the flip side, playing a four, I was posting these little white center backs or posting center backs up and just spinning and doing the same exact moves I did on the ball court, on the soccer field. 
And, you know, people are like, oh, wow, like good moves or whatever. But I didn't tell them, but it came from, you know, working on the post moves and ball and understanding how to do that and transitioning that into soccer. So definitely recommend kids to at least learn for a couple of years a different sport. It doesn't have to be the main focus, but there's a lot of benefits of it that you can use that to your advantage. Uh, that makes a lot of sense because when we played you, I was getting so pissed that our forwards couldn't hold the ball up. I'm like, yo, <laughs> what is going on? Uh, but uh, it was end, ended up being a good game and, uh, you know, a great player. Uh, real quick, we have a lot of friends and family from the DMV that come onto the show. Uh, this is your moment to state your case. Where does DMV rank in terms of youth soccer from a, a, a national perspective? Man, at least top two, to be honest. We, top two? Whoa, was, whoa, whoa. All right, give us the reason. At, at least, at least at max top three, but from way back even before I played Casimir Bays, Baltimore Bays on the national standpoint, we were all, this is just soccer right now. Soccer, Baltimore Bays, Casimir Bays. I even won the national championship one time with the Baltimore Bays as well. Even now, Baltimore Celtics still thriving. Potomac, like we've always traditionally been in the national tournaments and the national competitions in soccer. I've always, Maryland University is always producing kids. And then, and then ball, ball, I mean, <laughs> Victor, Kevin Durant himself went to Montrose for producing Carmelo. Uh, that's my boy Beasley, too. There's so many DMV has in the NBA, even right now. Jeremiah Grant, both Grant's brothers. I, I can keep going with that. And then football, too. We have Stefan Diggs. I went to high school. Oh, with. he's giving us a full um, full case study. I, I can give okay. you a whole diff- all these different sports. He's giving <laughs> us a dissertation. Come on now. Yeah, yeah. There ain't too many states like that producing in all realms. Okay, we're gonna have to put that. We're gonna have to put that to a vote on two cents sports, two cents FC because uh, we we low key kind of biased. We have a lot of DMV guests on the show. Um, you guys have stated your case, but um, it's a testament to the youth programs that you guys and the culture that you guys have developed. We would love to see it translate to the um, you know some of the teams, the professional teams in the area. But uh, that's neither here nor right, there. Right, 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 right. Um, but yeah, let's, let's move on. Who was your favorite player growing up, you know, from a soccer standpoint? So being a striker early on, Thierry Henry was definitely my favorite striker growing up. But then when I transitioned to a center back that like Gerard PK early on, Puyol, and more so now, just changing my game. I'm, I feel like I'm more of like a passing center back. So I like Stokes from Man City a lot really. And, and my boy um, Van Dyke too from Liverpool. So I focus on them more so because as my game changed, but growing up specifically was just a home read for me because of my position. Okay, that's, that's cool. Can you talk about, like, uh, like growing up, all right, you played basketball, soccer, and you end up going to college for soccer, changing positions. What was that process like? And then, you know, take us through a journey of, like, finally going pro. Yeah, so, you know, played striker my whole life, got recruited as a striker. I get to college, was a striker my freshman year, sophomore year, spring. They're like, literally, when they had three defenders, so like, who wants to play center back in the huddle? And of course, I'm not raising my hand, and no one really did. <laughs> and they're like, Hugh, why don't you try? And it's between me and this other four. They're like, Hugh, why don't you try? It's like, all right, whatever. I, I happened to do good in our preseason game, spring game against Georgetown. They really just kept me there since. But my sophomore year, I was like playing like a six and center back, and then junior, senior specifically sucked to center back. And then after that, I was like, you know, there's a there's a MLS draft board, 100 players kind of thing. I was like 99 out of 100. I was just happy to see my name on it. Ended up not getting drafted or anything. Didn't, I knew I wasn't going to get drafted. Went to Rochester Rhinos for a three-day trial. Ended up getting cut. Went to Harrisburg City Islanders. And this is while I'm in school, senior year, spring. So I'm just commuting back and forth with some of my homies. 
went to Harrisburg City Islanders for like seven, eight weeks in a row. Every Monday that had practice. And after the eighth one, we're like, yo, like we need to know something. They're like, you know, best luck, best of luck with everything. Had one more tryout while I'm in school. It was the Richmond Kickers went there for their tryout. Did well, but they didn't offer me a contract. They're like, hey, just come to preseason for two more weeks. So I was commuting every day from school to Richmond, like an hour and a half back and forth, doing some courses. Ended up um, after two weeks, you know, offered me my first contract and, you know, kind of stayed in the league from there. No, I love it. I got to go on a rant real quick. Yo, these teams, you guys have a decision to make. Don't leave these people four weeks, eight weeks at a time. Like, oh, we need to see something else. We need to see something. No, we got lives. We got we got Come food. On. We got to eat, you know. Come so on. coaches like and play uh, coaches and organizations will take advantage of players that are hungry for opportunity to like ride it out to the last second. And it's messed up. Um, they have so many stories of going through it. Uh, not only myself, but Hugh just, you know, shared his story. So that's my rant because y'all really taking advantage of these kids that have a dream and a goal. Mm-hmm. And if you want to just say no, it's like fast no. All right, cool. We move on to the next situation. But if you're stringing us along, stringing us along, nah, stop doing that. Um, I'm glad you said that. I'm, they need to hear that. I'm glad you said that. No, that stuff be pissing me off. But uh, with that being said, all right, you, you you finally in the league. You know, you grinded. You got your got your well deserved position. Who like who welcomes you to the league? Who was the first player to like? Oh damn! I didn't know it was like that. I just got my ass busted. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the whole Richmond team was busting my ass as a rookie like I thought I was this shit coming into the league like I was some ass as a center back I really for me it was just like the technical side because college was just so athletic and I was a mid-major yeah. school at George Mason so we just fought so I get to Richmond sign my first pro contract dealing with some grown men Richmond at that time had they were top two in the league they're very good yeah. every single practice George Davis Brian Ombi like these dudes just still pluck the ball for me I'm a center back on top of the 18 they're plucking the ball for me and scoring these goals I'm like bro Yambi's passing me a ball. Instead of taking, like, you know, one touch or two touches, I'm taking two, three. And I'm just getting eaten up by strikers. I'm just like, yo. Mm-hmm. And now I'm a pro, so I don't have my homies to talk to. My homies are still partying at school. I'm the only one that's a pro. I'm living by myself, uh-huh. seeing this stuff in group chat. Like, yo, this party was lit. But I'm here struggling. They're like, yo, you a pro, though? Like, you live in a dream. I'm just like, bro, like, they have, they have no idea what I'm going through. <laughs> and I can't even talk. I'm sure you notice this as a pro, too. Like, just... The relationship is different when money's involved. Like, it's not really, you can't just like vent and just like talk about your frustration because everyone's listening and trying to take your spot. So, I really yeah. had one dude I messed with, maybe talked to a little bit, but really it was just me, just mentally, just like sucking it up, taking anything for myself. And I had like a eureka moment sitting on the bench my uh, rookie year, or not the bench, sitting on my couch watching TV. And I'm just thinking about like, why I'm keep turning the ball over. And I'm just like, instead of taking two touches or three, why don't you just play it in one touch? In one touch? Changed my game for me, and that's how I just started getting some more success. But, yeah, all those boys in Richmond, all those guys I named, they're kind of still playing now, but they they were giving me that works the first two months. I didn't make my first start until, like, two or three months into the season because of that. <laughs> no, nah, that's – that's. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Sometimes it's sink or swim. And, you, like, you had that eureka moment where it's like some players, to make it to that next level, you, you got to adapt or you mm-hmm, don't. Mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm, adapted, mm-hmm. and now 10-plus years later, you're still playing. So – um it's a testament to for the young players that need to know like every time you climb up that level you gotta you develop and evolve with that so what advice would you have for a young player obviously it's it's uh, off season and new new set of young players going to come into the league uh leagues uh what advice would you have for them to like quickly get assimilated 
be open to listening, being open, you know, you hit in the nail with adapting, but listening is so important because we all have our egos. We all come from the best teams. And I've seen weights, even young boys now that I'm playing with them on teams this year, like they come in with egos. You, of course, you sign your pro contract. You deserve your opportunity. But when you have veteran players on the team who've been there before and they're telling you certain things and you don't listen, that ends up hurting your career, not helping you. But for me, I kind of just soaked everything in as a, as a sponge and I was so blessed. I was the only rookie on the team and everyone was older. But because I was a humble dude, Yambi, Luke Vercoloni, all these older guys are putting their arms around me like, yo, Hugh, do this, do this, do this, do that. And I was like, okay, cool. So even if I didn't like it or whatever, I'm telling you yes to your face, still listening, whatever. But it's so important to almost just listen to anybody, even guys younger than myself. I had to, they're giving me good pointers. Like, hey, just open your shoulders a little more. You, you can, you know, see the defender coming. I'm like, you know, that, that's a good point. Changes your game and it can help you excel. So just having an open mind and being humble enough to listen to something that even to this day keeps me going because I'm changing organizations and all these different coaches want different things. So you have to be able to, you know, listen and adapt kind of. Nah, I mean, L, make sure you clip that piece because that is very important for the young players to listen to. You know, be open and humble because it's not like people are trying to attack you as a player. They're trying to help you. And right. how we receive right. information, how we receive criticism um, it can make all the difference between you succeeding and like being a, a, a key part of your team. Because if you're exactly. the, always the guy that's clapping back and like, no, nah, I know what I'm doing. Players mm -hmm. ain't going to want to play with you. And that affects like the whole camaraderie. So uh, I love that you said that. I think it's very important. You know, we don't want to sound like the old guys preaching to the young guys, but right. it, that, that's facts. You know, there's a lot we of people that have lost. Succeed, right? Exactly. There's a lot of people that have lost contracts because they simply can't take information the right way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I've seen it myself, too. Oh, uh, let's let's switch gears a, a little bit, because, I mean, you're doing a lot of under, wonderful things off the field as well. Uh, tell us about Backyard Footy. Like what's the mission and inspiration uh, around the brand and the company? The mission ultimately is to enhance the game of soccer on a, on a national standpoint, meaning, I mean, we all watch ESPN all the time. The idea came to me watching ESPN sitting on my couch, watching Stevie and I'm just like, man, these guys call themselves expert analysts. This is back in 2017, but they didn't even know about the greatest sport in the world. And so my vision is to create a, like a channel or just some kind of entertainment where it's soccer specific, more specifically domestically in this country, because they'll show a highlights of the rest of the world, but you know, MLS Cup was just one and not even talking about an ESPN. So that was my mission. And even like behind the scenes, showing the soccer specific, like you see gridiron and football, NBA, all access, like MLS, like showing not every player is making millions, but guys are making millions. Guys, even 300K in America's good money. Like these guys are living lavishly still. And I wanted to broadcast that and show that. Then it, you know, really, I do this game for my family, my community, my people back home. So that kind of, changed my whole mindset to, you know, speaking up, using my platform now that I have a podcast to having Black Lives Matter episodes, helping form the BPA, helping, you know, I have a charity nonprofit foundation now that I help the community in Charlotte and all those originated with just starting with my family. And it's just still, these people are my family still, I feel like, you know, so I'm giving back to the community, helping out now and just continuously involving, but it all originated with, you know, that idea and that thought process. And that's why now you you see the podcast I'm doing the behind the scenes, but also doing some more entertainment, giving you visuals of the game because they just don't even see soccer on TV. And that's why I feel like that lack of notoriety is kind of holding us back right now. It's growing, but, you know, just a past mindset in 17. No, mad respect. And you're also the co-founder of two organizations, Anti-Racist Soccer Club and uh, the founding 
uh, co-founder of USL Player, Black Players Alliance. Um, I've seen firsthand some of the stuff that you've been doing behind the scenes. So mad respect and shout out to you. But uh, you. give us a little bit of a background behind that. Yeah, so BPA was really formed, you know, those two Black Lives Matters episodes I had last year where I had a couple of MLS and USL Black players come together, sharing, you know, being Black in America. After those conversations, we all kept in contact and we are like, you know, we need to form a group. More so, this is me, Brandon, a couple of guys in the USL. MLS guys were in the chat as well, but they announced ahead of us. And then that whole movement happened with George Floyd, the NBA stopped playing, all the, basically the whole sports world stopped playing. We were like, we need to capitalize on this moment. So we were in constant communication with Ryan Madden and the USL headquarters at the time. And they helped us launch, let's say everything stopped on the Wednesday. USL games were on that Friday. So we had to set everything up in like 48 hours of logo, just the message, the mission statement, what we want to display on the game. It was a lot within that 48 hours, but it was exciting to do. And we helped launch that. And then a couple months later, Bilal Saeed, who was already doing the same kind of mission in, in uh, Michigan, was like, you know, I'm tired of seeing, he goes to the Winter Summit all the time. And this past Winter Summit was even a great eye-opening experience for me. And he's like, I'm not even black and I'm still the only minority here all the time. And, you know, he was tired of it. And so he DMs me, he was like, you know, I see what you're doing with the BPA. I would love to form an anti-racist group for all the soccer clubs that everyone has to, you know, come together and, you know, affect the community. And I was like, this is kind of a no-brainer because I would love, obviously, the BPA to help the USL, but I want to reach like a national stage and all these clubs really in the major leagues from everywhere all you know not doing these things properly so when he came to me it was a no-brainer and I guess we just announced now kind of but we've been working for like a year and a half almost two years and it's taking it's taken some time but it's, it's been worth it in the long run because now we're affecting some change in the game yeah that's what it all yep. that's what it's all about can you talk about some mm -hmm. of the initiatives that you guys have you know heading into 2022 yep so for the BPA I don't know if you saw the MLS's article about you know you know, clubs if they don't hold, basically similar to the Rooney rule. We want that within the USL as well, too. So new positions open up in your clubs, has to be at least X amount of black coaches being, you know, interviewed for that candidate position as well, too. That's the same thing if your front off, if your roster is like 50%, 60% minorities and your front office has to at least reflect that like 30, 40%. We, we just talked about that at this winter summit. They're going to try to talk to Jake and hopefully get that implemented, but that's what we want. And we want to maybe, as sad as, as sad as it is, we shouldn't even have to entice clubs, but join the anti-racist or United Against Racism campaign. At the end of the year, you might be rewarded, like let's say like 10K or however much K, you can use that money to then help your minority community. So just to incentivize clubs to join and actually like create actual change. And that's what we're working on now going to this year, because we felt like last year was like a whole marketing publicity stunt. We were, me and Brandon specifically were just upset and we kind of laid it to them at the headquarters, just how frustrated we were this past year, even not frustrated with Black Arrow, but even like the lack of videos that they, the US on Black Arrow did when we originally before that was like, yo, we have this amount, this amount. And we were like, what, well, what happened? We were in communication with us. So, you know, just outlining those details going to this, this next year. And then with Anti-Racist Club, we're finally, you know, just a launch. We're going to actually, we're building an educational program that's going to be done by next month. And that's going to set the tone. So when you join the anti-racist group, you know, start doing towards a 10-point plan, but you actually get like an educational program every month. There's new topics that we're going to be talking about. One of us five will be like your mentor and your counselor for that club. So let's say it's Charlotte Independence joins. I will be that mentor for them. And then we have quarterly check-ins and I'll be checking in with them, reviewing them, telling you, if you're doing good, if you're doing bad, what you need to work on, questions for me. So just that kind of thing, that kind of outlook 
as we're going towards next and getting these clubs and partnerships and now start joining. We really just want that first club to start start on. And we feel like when we just get that first club to join us, it's going to be like a trickle down effect because everyone's just waiting for that first club to join us. It's like a new group. No, that's what it's all about. Can you how many talk clubs about, do you guys uh, have at the moment? Go ahead, again, go ahead. Sorry. I was saying, how many clubs do you guys have at the moment? So we have, uh, let's say, like five clubs. Um, I wouldn't say officially. No one's like officially on board because we haven't even like officially started giving out the educational program or officially launched. We're going to do that starting into the new year. But we've had like five to ten clubs filling an application themselves and we have them in the emails getting ready to hop on like Zoom calls with them and just like officially onboard you and like start that process once the new year comes in. But yeah, a good amount of support, even not just clubs, like supporters groups as well as involved with this as well. A good amount of supporters groups have filled in applications because they, they want to change them, themselves from internally. And real quick before we change it, turn the corner, um, tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about the Winter Summit. I know you guys are just there. Um, shout out to Bilal, um, friend of the show. Um, shout out to our little sis, Kaya, who is, you know, Two Cents fan. Um, so we're definitely interconnected and, look, you know, we're looking forward to doing some work with y'all as well. Um, but tell us a little bit about the summit, um, the USL Winter Summit and, you know, how your experience was there. Yeah, man, it was it was inspiring. Uh, just being a player, I never could imagine being in that position, but see kind of the disparities like it's pretty much like an all old white conference right it's pretty much if you did see a black coach there he's pretty much by himself or you don't even know who that besides like Demarcus Beasley or someone that I would know it's like oh well me and Brandon would look at each other like oh well who is this black guy like we have to introduce ourselves but we shouldn't even have to be doing all those things but not just that but you know sitting there hearing what they plan to do how they plan to affect the communities and stuff but we know what community means just like your fans and people who are bringing the revenue to the club and not necessarily like the community itself and mm-hmm. who actually needs help so to hear what their plans and visions are was awesome but um most importantly just to be able to use our platform to speak to all these coaches and presidents was very powerful for us we all came at different angles I was talking about being a minority and how you connect with us in the locker room. Brandon talked about the disparities of the front office and lack of minorities and, you know, front office positions. Kai came out, you know, she was like, she actually let it all off. She talked about what we are, what it means to be anti-racism. Dr. Williams came in on what does racism mean? We all came at great angles and they've, I don't think there's ever been a talk about like racism to these coaches and what it means to connect with your minority players. And that's why I think it was like a monumental um talk for us specifically because all these coaches needed to hear it to the point where after multiple multiple coaches came to each of us asking for our opinion proud of us and having our conversations even my coach from independence came up to me personally too and like thanked me too so they needed to hear and it was it was a great conversation and a great um learning experience for myself too being a player no, that's what it's all about no, that's what it's all about. Um, you also, I mean, you guys led the partnership with uh, Puma. Can you talk about that collaboration before we move on? Yeah, so that was that was kind of through the league. The league's partnered with Puma, but I think that's just like through um, apparel. And so they con- the headquarters contacted us. It was like, hey, we wanted to raise money. And of course, they're not just really just going to give us money like that. We were just formed last year. but we, They're like, we want to help you out. How about, you know, coming together and, and forming this jersey and me and Brandon helped design the logo. We chose the sponsor, Beautiful Struggles. We, they came to us like, how do you like this edit? We were like, no, I'll come up with this kind of angle. So they gave us almost full control in doing all of that, which was awesome. And then after, for the white launch, they reached out to, uh, what's my guy's name on the U.S. men's national team that was rocking the jersey? Um, um, 
the Tim Musa Mansa Mansa Musa. Oh yeah, Musa. Yeah, yeah. Jonas Musa. Sorry, he uh, rocked the jersey, and that kind of like helped us out as well too, and reached out to him as well, and that was awesome. But they gave us kind of free range to have that control to edit that jersey and create it. Oh, that's really cool. That's dope. That's dope. So, so uh, go ahead, L. I was gonna say, let's jump into some rapid fire stuff. Um, <clears throat> so on game days, like, what's on your pre-match playlist? Like, what what gets you, you know, hyped and ready for the game? It depends. I, I, I say with current events, it depends who's hot. But there was a time where Pop Pop Smoke was heavy on the track list. When Migos dropped their album, of course, Migos is heavy. But I also get the vibes of our team too. Like for some reason, dudes on the team just love like Pop. They loved. Um, what else they loved? Um, the GDs that came out. GDs was like the anthem for us the whole year. I, don't, I feel like that's why we did playoffs for that GD anthem song. Um, just little vibes like that. But yeah, I'm, I, I was heavy so on you, that. You so you control the speakers? You control the speakers in the locker room? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Me and, and Adam Adam Armour, that Charlotte FC kid, but mostly, mostly one of us. And they know. And there's a good amount of Spanish guys. So maybe give them like a Spanish day or two during the week, but typically it's one of us too. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm be a, a Spanish day or two. That's hilarious. Oh man. But nah, nah, I'm definitely up to current events with all that. Nah, I'm from New York. So I like that drill music a little bit. Okay. Dope, dope. So, all right. So we, we always ask this, you know, to like our, especially our DMV people who come on the show is, Who's on your five aside, like from the DMV? If you had to create a five aside of only DMV players, past, present, current, who would be on your team? I'm gonna go with Joe Jow. I'm gonna go with my boy Pebo. I'm gonna go with um, Alex Lee as well too. It's that four of us. I'm, I'm including myself in that as well too. I'm gonna sure. be in that squad. Um, last one. Rodney Wallace, I'm including that too. That's my boy from okay. Maryland as well. My boy's nice, but yeah, yeah. So good, it's a good. There's a, a lot of DMV heads. But that's a good five. I'm gonna rock with on the field. They would have. We'd have three out of five on the show. Yeah. Oh, where? Right. <laughs> yeah, we had Joe on. We had Peebo, of course. Okay. You know, got you, okay. So. That's a solid yes, squad. Sir. That's a solid yeah. squad. I would love to see. Uh, yeah, I would love to see a DMV pickup session. I think it gets intense. It's not like NorCal. It's not like Sacramento, but. I think it. I think it would get intense. Listen, long term vision wise, man, I would love to host like tournaments in different cities, like through backyard footy kind of thing. But I envision hosting tournaments and then bringing the homies. I would do like a charity tournament, or just something you know where we can bring different cities involved. But yeah, the game's needing that. Okay, bring your five. I'll bring my five. Set up. Set oh, up. We're coming. We're coming. Let's make it happen. Next off season. Next off season. <laughs> okay, respect. Oh, that's great. Um, all right, what you got, L? I think you got one more. Oh, he's gonna do um so Jamaica versus U- um US Miss National Team. Who are you rooting for? I'm going for Jamaica. Jamaica, it, it just means a little more to the Jamaicans out there and it's like really just soccer and track out there for real. And the whole country comes out and it means a little more. So I'm not, that's how it was for this past Gold Cup game too on the low. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up. Respect, yeah. respect. <clears throat> All right, so let's jump into um, one of our favorite segments of the show, Trending Topics. So this is a show, or this is a um, segment of the show where I'll read off some trending topics. It can be from the headlines, news headlines, Twitter, what have you. Uh, But these are some things that are kind of ringing off and buzzing off in the sports world at the moment. Um, 
I'll read the headlines and then, you know, a Moby and Hugh will give their opinions on those headlines using the soccer card system. So no card is, um, you know, I'm, I'm cool with it. I agree with it. Uh, yellow card is I can go either way. Um, and red card is obviously, you know, I disagree with it or I'm not cool with it. And we'll give a quick explanation of why you gave it that card. Um, got it? Yeah. All right. So first up. <clears throat> So Coach Prime was able to flip the number two recruit in the country from Florida State to um, to his team, Jackson State. So what card are we giving Coach Prime for this move? Moby, I'll no let you card. go first. Uh, go, ahead. Uh, go ahead, Hugh. No, nah, I was just saying no card. That was, that was a great move. Love that move. Yeah, no card at all. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's the snowball effect. The first don- domino... Uh, is has been pushed and all I all I ask is like let's protect Dion at all costs. Dabo Sweeney, Brian Kelly, they're all in the group chat right now trying to figure out how to navigate this situation. So let's protect Dion at all costs. Shout out to what he's doing and uh let's let's keep pushing it because you know Jack and State is not the only HBCU. So um right. if we can continue to build that coalition, um bring uh HBCU sports back. Uh, specifically yeah. football that's what it's all about all the HBCU sports and schools need these resources and the players to be able to give back kind of thing and we've never had that I mean I would have honestly loved to go to Howard but Howard we, we used to beat them 9-0 every single year in school and I'm just trying to focus on soccer and get to the next level and you're not really you're thinking more of like that school and getting to that next level route but the resources are the same everything's equivalent it's, it's a question out the door kind of thing so yeah these resources need to give back to the community yeah sure for sure and you know the rise of football will help the other sports as well so exactly exactly and let's not get it twisted back in the 70s 60s before um i'm not trying to get on a little tangent but if you do your history a lot of football players came through from them schools so um Mm -hmm. it's it's good to see Mm -hmm. it come back Mm -hmm. yeah for sure all right next up um so the sports business journal today put out a list of athlete influencers from this year which included Sinead Fairley, Monashim, and Alex Morgan but was noticeably, noticeably absent um, was you know our girl Kaya McCullough whose bravery for going on record kind of sparked this whole movement that you see in the NWSL right now so what card are we giving you know this publication or this list for um, the erasure of, of Kaya uh, uh, for me uh, red card. We don't even read Sports Business Journal anyways because of lazy stuff like that. So, um, you know, sometimes the martyrs never get the credit. You know, mm-hmm. Kaya stuck her neck out, you know, got a lot of backlash. Then when it finally comes to light, everyone wants to backtrack and uh, thank you, Kaya. Like, where was it when she was doing it before? But uh, follow Kaya if you want to get the full story. But I'm mm-hmm. saying red card for that. And it's a red card for me too. Definitely a, a foul move on that play. But just seeing, the, I just saw that list too, like an hour ago, and just seeing that list. Of course, it's the top athletes in every sport, almost. And Kaya, of course, in our world, is the top athlete. But to them, they're never unless I don't even know. But to them, they just love the LeBrons and all these top athletes, Rapino and all them. And of course, it's that right. But yeah, foul on that play because we know what she's doing. You know how impactful she's been in this game and literally changed this whole game this year and last year too. So. Shout out to her. Yep. I can go in a little bit more on that, but I'll, I'll save that for um, 
our sisters over at Shea Butter FC. They got a lot to say about it. So make sure you check out their show. Um, and I'm sure they'll be speaking on that in their next episode as well. So um, tune into that. Um, last one. So word in the word on the tweets or word in the streets is that the Lakers are looking to trade Rus- Rus- Russell Westbrook already. So what card are we giving this move if it's true? I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a yellow because it depends who they're trying to bring in in terms of like Russ, Russ is still a star and people always give him this like bad ego look as if he hasn't proven himself at every organization he's been to it takes him about three or four months to get a groove and then by the end he's usually pushing that club towards playoffs and so I know what's going on right now the Lakers haven't found their groove yet but not even just him LeBron usually takes his time until after Christmas after All-Star week like I'm a Braun fan, so I just know how his career goes and how his seasons go. Like, no one even turned up on the Lakers. So, I don't really think they should like that, but I'm not opposed to it if you can bring in maybe like a Clay Thompson or just someone like Big who actually compliment LeBron. Yeah, for me, it's a red card. I think, you know, the, the trouble with being a Lakers fan is that you want to see everything now. It's not even all star, right, 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 it's not right. even all star yet. They haven't even, right. you know, and the fact that they can't really get anyone else unless you. Like, who are you going to get? Dame? Ben Simmons? Like, if you can get one of those. Uh, I mean, it's, all right. it's Ben really Simmons talk, but even it, is that even the right move? That, is yeah, that conspiracy talk? is, conspiracy nah. is, I would do Russell for Kyrie. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> let, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let OKC yeah, yeah. come back. 100%, 100%. And let Kyrie and LeBron have a little reunion. But yeah, for real, yeah. as a Lakers fan, Anthony Davis needs to step up. And I don't want to go on a tangent. But Anthony Davis needs to step up, and we wouldn't be having this problem. Uh, right. So it's not uh, West, Russell Westbrook making the scapegoat. Right. Um, so yeah, red card for the Lakers if they do that. He's Unless what, 29 years old right now, Anthony? No, nah, he's, uh, he's, he's like, 30, 31. 30, 30, 31, 32. Still right now. Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. Are you talking about Russell or Anthony Davis? No, Anthony. Anthony Davis. Oh, yeah. He's like 28. This is the prime of his career right now. I agree completely. Yeah, you in LA, man. You got you to gotta show out every right, every day. Right. right. All right, well, that's it for trending topics this week. Moby, what you got? Nah, Hugh, thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's off-season for you. For people that want to connect with you, uh, want to follow your future, where can they find you? Where, where, where can they connect with you? Me, personally, uh, you can follow me at Superhuman on all social media platforms, all one word. But definitely follow the brand Backyard Footy. That's Backyard Footy. It's all one word as well. I'm on IG, Twitter. Uh, Facebook as well too but you know definitely tune in have some more charities but also more interviews coming up just everything but follow the brand backer footy and definitely follow my boys here at two cents too no shout out for the plug can we get an inside scoop of where you might be playing next year or is it to be determined now we gotta hit up Maggie for that one right 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 for real it's it's (laughs) TBD right now honestly Um, independence dropping the league one set me free but that also puts me in a little predicament because I don't have a market here anymore and it's, I have a home here and stuff, so it's almost like I have to move. But, yeah, it's TBD right now. There's nothing really concrete, but staying patient, optimistic with it. All right, cool. What I will say is that we did have Jory on last week. She was a free agent at the time of this recording. Within a week, she found her new club. Within the next couple all of days. All right, all right, all right. I'm, I'm like just saying. That. You know, it's well, not like that. I'm going to keep you posted then. I'm going to keep you posted. <laughs> Okay, like cool. <laughs> uh, and then real quick for the athletes that are listening, can you tell them about the house 
conspiracy when it comes to being an athlete? We talked about it offline. The house conspiracy about being an athlete? The house curse. The house curse. Oh, 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 yeah. Basically, when you buy a house, you're going to have to move move to a different market. And (laughs) it's literally a routine pattern every year for especially USL players. You want to settle down a little bit, too. You've been here for a couple years and you buy a house. Become a free agent, and you typically have to move. So, I'm a free agent, but we're not we're not going to go down that route yet. Yeah, facts. So, soccer players, just know if you're ever stuck in a situation, just buy a house. You might you might get right, you might right, get traded. Right. You might become a free agent. Um, right. But that's a that's a yeah, like unwritten yeah that's an unwritten reverse rule that happens psychology. in the community. There's no right, such thing right. as settling down when it comes to being an athlete. I swear. Yeah, but uh, once again, we're going to have your information in the show notes. Uh, Hugh, thank you. One of the most respected guys in the league. Shout out to all the things that you're doing behind the scenes that people don't know about, that people aren't hearing about. Uh, You and some of the things that you're doing is amazing. So we really appreciate you coming on. That's our show for this week. Ladies and gentlemen, subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get discovered. Follow us on the socials at Two Cents FC. Check out our merch at Two Cents Sports.shop. You see me rocking the hat. L's rocking the hoodie. It's cozy season. Essentials. Yeah, the essentials. It's cozy season. Stock up. Christmas is next Saturday. Stock up. Um, And if you enjoy the show, consider dropping us a donation using the link in the description. It helps us support the cost of the show. Uh, We got a new software that we're using to record the the show. Uh, We're able to get wonderful guests on the show like Hugh. Um, it helps when you guys don't donate. Um, so appreciate you guys for doing that. Um, and tweet us your comments on the show and any topics you want me or El to discuss. The only show where you get unfiltered thoughts and opinions. None of that Switzerland stuff. None of that no comment stuff. Unfiltered thoughts and opinions. We keep it real every week. And um, that's it. Peace out, y'all. Appreciate y'all.